Hi there, my name is Ian McNaughton, and welcome to episode six of the last great Stanley Cup Finals. Today, I'm going to be discussing game six of the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals between the Boston Bruins and the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, it was a terrific game, really fun to watch, really intense in the first period, and I, I thoroughly enjoy watching this game from beginning to end. Uh, hopefully you enjoy this episode. I can't believe we only have one more episode left after this, which will be Game 7 on Tuesday, June 15th. Um, I'm really excited. Um, I, I think this series has gone really well. I hope you've enjoyed it. And it just gives us, you know, an idea of what to do in the future when we do more of these kind of series and episodes and, and you know, more podcasts type stuff like this. Or if you're watching on YouTube, more of a YouTube video kind of ideas and content. Uh, but Thank you very much for all your support during this. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, this is again, this was a really fun game. This is a really fun episode, and Game Seven is going to be a really fun episode and a really, really awesome show. So tune into that Tuesday, June fifteenth. Uh, for now, enjoy Episode Six of the Last Great Stanley Cup Finals, brought to you by Speak Your Peace. Hi there. Welcome to episode six of the last great Stanley Cup Finals. My name is Ian McNaughton. I am by myself today. Uh, we are discussing game six of the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals between the Boston Bruins and the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, today, it, it's just myself, but it's still a really good episode. The Bruins defeated the Canucks 5-2 at TD Garden on June 13th, 10 years ago today. Uh, really terrific, terrific game. Uh, unless you're a Canucks fan, then you probably hated it. But I'm going to go through my categories that I have for this. Uh, I hope you enjoy this as well, as much as I did going through this, created all the notes, created all the gra uh, graphics, uh, for just the whole series. I mean, this, this game was about as good as any of the games in this series, but that's up for me. That's not up for me to decide. Hopefully you feel that way too after listening to this. We'll start with the fun facts I have from this game. Again, the Bruins beat the Canucks 5-2. Uh, the Bruins scored four goals in four minutes and 14 seconds during the first period and chased Roberto Luongo out after the third goal. Uh, Tim Thomas stopped 36 of 38 Canucks shots. Uh, Corey Schneider, who replaced Luongo after the third goal, he stopped 30 of 32 Bruins shots. Uh, Brad Marchand had 12-11 time on ice 12 minutes and 11 seconds time on ice he also had 12 penalty minutes so he had 11 more seconds on the ice than he did in the penalty box so cool stuff from brad marshawn L luckily his style and and play has changed a little bit but it is still kind of funny watching this back 10 years later and even eddie olchek mentions it uh late in the game when he's kind of punching sedin in the face giving him a couple of good shots and old eddie olchek's like you got a reputation man you better watch it don't go too far. Um, so that was Marshawn's con contribution to the game. He also scored the first goal of the game over the Wongo shoulder, uh, really bad goal. And Mark Ricky had three assists. So going through the actual score sheet of this game, uh, Brad Marshawn, as I mentioned, scored the first goal of the game, shot right over the Wongo's shoulder. The Wongo should have stopped it. He didn't, that gave the Bruins uh, the first lead of the game. Uh, and they wouldn't give it up after that. That was at 5.31 into the first period. The next goal was from Milan Lucic off a bad Canucks change. Lucic got the pass off a backhand from Rich Peverly. Lucic put the puck on net. It went five hole, trickled through Luongo's pads, and 
Bruins are now up 2-0. David Krejci almost got the tip in to really put it home, but it was still able to sneak through Luongo, go into the back of the net. 2-0 lead for the Bruins, and then the Bruins get a power play thanks to a question, a, a boarding penalty from Alex Edler, which was an interesting penalty considering it was a boarding call. It, it was a terrible play. But there's been other stuff throughout this game, throughout this series that were let go that was not called either boarding or charging or interfering or whatever. They called this penalty. The Canucks didn't quite uh, kill the penalty. Andrew Ferrin scores, shot from the point, uh, gets by short side on the Wongo. Mark Recchi with the screen, beautiful play, and perfect, perfectly set up power play. Bruins now lead 3 nothing. Luongo is out. This third goal came three minutes and four seconds after the first goal. So three go- three goals in three minutes and four seconds uh, for the Bruins. Not a great look for the Canucks who were coming into Boston, having lost their first two games to Boston earlier in this series. They had a chance to win the cup that night. They did not. And basically by the time it's three, nothing to get the game feels over. I, I will say, I, I remember thinking back but thinking back on it I, I do remember saying that the Canucks weren't gonna be able to do it in Boston they were so bad in games three and four that I I, I could not envisioning them I could not envision them winning game six in the garden and they got off to a terrible start um which I'll talk about a little bit more later on but Ferentz gets the power play goal it's three nothing Bruins finally Michael Ryder gets the Bruins fourth goal of the game and in the period with a tip from Thomas Cavalier's point shot. It gets by Corey Schneider's left shoulder and the Bruins are up four, nothing. That's the game. That's essentially the game. There, there really isn't much to come back from. If you're the Canucks, you, you've already changed your goaltenders. You're getting out, man, you're getting outplayed. Nothing is going right for the Canucks in this game. So the Bruins score four goals in four minutes and 14 seconds. And they 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 were in charge, man. They they had momentum. They took the bull by the horns and they ran with it. Um, the Canucks do get on the board in the third period. Henrik Sedin gets his third goal of the postseason, first point of the series, uh, 22 seconds into the third period on a power play goal, and the Bruins now lead 4-1. Not not four one for very long. About six minutes later, David Krejci on the power play. Uh, he gets the Bruins' fifth goal of the game, often a nice play from Mark Recchi. And the Bruins are now leading five one. It's a four goal deficit for the Canucks in the third period. It's even even worse than it was before. Um, the the Bruins are just manhandling the Canucks. However. In the final three minutes of the game, Maxime Lapierre, uh, he puts home a nice goal with an assist from Daniel Sedin and Yannick Hansen. It's a 5-2 game. That's it. That's the difference in the game. Uh, that, that's, the, that's the final score, 5-2. Uh, after game six, Lapierre had the same amount of goals in this postseason than Henrik Sedin, which tells you all you need to know about the Canucks' lack of top-end scoring. Uh just, just a, a pitiful effort for Vancouver and Boston throughout this entire series. Uh, Roberto Luongo, in three games, uh, he gives up 15 goals, I think. Eight, eight in game three, 
four in game three, uh, game four, four in game four, and then three in game six. It's 12 goals given up by Luongo. Just in Boston alone, never mind the three, uh, two goals he gave up, excuse me, in game two. Uh, a, a pitiful effort by the Canucks in Vancouver. Uh, but Mark Recchi, he had three assists in the game. The the legend, Mark Recchi, uh, he got an assist on the Marshan goal, the Ferentz power play goal, and the Krejci power play goal. Uh, that's tied for the second most assists in a playoff game for Mark Recchi. He had three assists in game six of the 1991 Patrick Division semifinals against New Jersey when he was a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he had four assists. That's his career high in a playoff game. Four assists in game five of the 2000 Eastern Conference semifinals against the Pittsburgh Penguins when he was a member of the Philadelphia Flyers. The, the legend had it the entire series. He showed why he was one of the best players in game six. Uh, terrific effort from Mark Recchi, who, who was making plays all over the ice. Um, next category I have is called a penny for your thoughts. This is, again, the what ifs I have from this game. Uh, not a whole lot because of the fact that the Bruins dominated and, and it wasn't much of a game from beginning to end. However, uh, one of my penny for your thoughts is what if Mason Raymond doesn't get hurt? So 20 seconds into the game, Mason Raymond is forced to leave due to a, a really, really awkward and, and kind of dirty play by Johnny Boychuk, who is it, tangled up with Raymond. Raymond's kind of turtled on Boychuk. So he his back is down and he's still skating, he's skating backwards and is getting kind of pushed backwards by Boychuk into the corner wall. It's a really dirty play. It's a really awful looking play. And as a result, Raymond suffered a vertebrae compression fracture. Um, it was never quite the same player after this series, which was really too bad because he was a, a talented player and a great middle six option as we discussed in episode five of this series. And early on when the Canucks were winning games, um, just a, a terrible injury, a, a dirty play, a, a typical Bruins type play. And unfortunately, someone gets hurt uh, in, in the middle of it, which, you know, it, it's next man up for the Canucks. But at this point, they're running out of bodies de on defense and offensively. Uh I don't know if Raymond makes a much of a difference in this game specifically. Um, I, I think the Canucks were out of it for maybe the start and maybe the Raymond injury had something to do with it. I, I don't know. I don't think the Canucks, I don't think Raymond helps win this game. Maybe it's not as, uh, not as one-sided as this game was, but that that's what happens when you lose one of your best players is you always have the what if. Maybe he makes a difference. Maybe he doesn't. Who knows? Um, the other, the second, you know, penny for your thoughts I have is what if this game is played in Vancouver? Um, if they somehow, if, if Vancouver, if the Canucks somehow had a 3-2 series lead going back to Vancouver, um, I, I think this would be a, a, a different series. We might be talking about a different outcome instead where, where I mentioned before, I, I just didn't see the Canucks winning in Boston coming into this game. I, I just didn't see it happening. It, it it just was so unlikely. They were so abused in the first two games that they went to Boston. I, I couldn't see them finishing off the Bruins at the Garden. And part of that is just, I think, who the Bruins are, of not getting finished by the Canucks in the Garden. I, I think that speaks to who the Bruins are and kind of who the Canucks were as a team. 
But maybe if this game is played in Vancouver, if the elimination game is in Vancouver, the Canucks can get it done. But uh, we'll never know. And, and that's, a, that's a very major what if because it might not be 3-2 for the Canucks heading into game six if, you know, the game six is in Vancouver, the Bruins have home ice advantage. Um, the final penny for your thoughts question I have is what if Henrik Sedin is able to score on a bouncy puck less than a minute into the period? So after the Raymond play, uh, Kevin, Kevin Bieksa, he takes a shot from the point, uh, aims it intentionally wide. It goes off the back of the, of the net, off the wall, goes in front of Sedin, Henrik Sedin right there can put it home, but the puck bounces over his stick and no scoring opportunity for the Canucks. It, it, it makes you wonder if the, if the Canucks get an early goal, if Hank could get on the board, if the, if the top guys, the top line for Vancouver could get something going. And unfortunately it, it just wasn't meant to be. And that play, that little play by, by Sedin of just having the puck bounce over his stick was kind of a representation of how the rest of the series and game really would, would go for the Canucks. Um, if, if he's able to score, we might be talking about a different outcome in this game and this, and in this series. The day Bolin best moments of the game. Uh, I, I have Nathan Horton uh, waving a towel and getting shown on the jumbo, Jumbotron during a TV timeout. Uh, Nathan Horton was obviously injured in game three by an Aaron Rome hit. Rome not playing in this game because of the Horton hit. And he gives the Bruins crowd a bit of a spark, a bit, a bit of momentum. Uh, the crowd goes nuts for him. They were chanting his name in game four. The Horton effect was real, I, I think, in the same way that kind of the Mason Raymond effect was kind of real. The Horton effect was real of the fans seeing him. He's cheering on the team. Uh, you know he would love to play in game six if he could, but he's injured. He couldn't get back in for the Bruins, which was really too bad. Um, but that was one of the best moments is seeing the crowd go nuts for Nathan Horton. Uh, I, I thought the NBC showing the Luongo quote graphic about the Lapierre goal in game five after he's pulled in game six. So if you don't know, Luongo is pulled in game, in game six because of a poor performance on his end. Then as he's going to the bench and Corey Schneider's going in the net, uh, NBC puts up the quote, uh, that Luongo has on Tim Thomas on the Lapierre goal in game five because Vancouver won one nothing in game five, Lapierre with the beautiful goal. And Luongo says, and I quote, it's not hard making the save if you're playing in the paint. It's an easy save for me, but if you're wandering out and aggressive like he does, that's going to happen. And NBC posted that graphic. They put that graphic on the screen as Luongo's on the bench in game six, down three, nothing. I thought that was really funny. I thought that was hilarious. Um, you, you love to see it, just the irony of that. And I mean, Luongo just had a, a shit time in Boston. He does have a shit time in game seven and we'll get to that, but he has a shit time in game seven and game six, game three and four. He was not clutch when the Canucks needed him to be outside of the, you know, in the non-elimination games and not at home, Terrible. Terrible. Um, 
the other day day bowl and best moment of the game I have is uh, Sedano Chara chasing a dumped in puck on the PK in the late second period. So there's about 15, 10, 15 seconds left in the second period. The Bruins are shorthanded. Chara flips the puck down the other end of the ice and he skates after it. He goes after the puck that he dumped and he's dealing with Alex Edler, uh, Henrik Sedin and someone else. I'm going to say Burroughs, but that's probably not right. And Chara gets by all of those guys. Now Chara is by no means a speedster. Uh, he just outworks them. And the Canucks, at this point, late in the second period, they're down 4 nothing. They just want to get out of there. They don't want to deal with him. And Chara just outworks them. He outmuscles them. He gets to the puck first. He does have the puck taken off his stick. But it it's, it's, it's amazing what fans, um, what being ahead does, what, what, you know, having the right teammates helps and just drives you forward. Uh, it, it's momentum is what it is. And the Bruins and the Canucks had a lot of it. Um, more the Bruins in this game specifically, the Canucks had some momentum earlier in the series, but the Bruins are now taking momentum step by step by step. And the Chara play, which is a small but still noticeable thing uh, in this game in terms of a best moment of just the biggest man Going out there, he's working hard. He's putting his team in a position to win. Even up 4 nothing, he's still not slacking. He's still giving the other team hell, and you just love to see it. Uh, even Pierre Maguire commented saying, no one wants to win that race uh, in regards to the Canucks not wanting to take on Char in the middle of the ice or in the corner. Um, Steve Smith, worst moment of the game. I, I think the Raymond hit is a, is a really bad moment. Um that that was a, a very dirty play, a, a very awful. I don't know if it gets supplemental discipline in today's game. It's just health-wise and for the sake of player safety, it's not a good play. I, I'm sure that he gets something if Wojciech does that today, but it's it's just an awful-looking play. It, it's not good, and y- you hate to see it because Ray- Raymond, I think, was a guy that people really liked, uh, people really enjoyed. It, it was very tough to hate Mason Raymond for what he did and – what his role was on this team and to see him leave the series like that. It, it's just so disappointing. Um, w- other worst moments of the game. I want to say the Schneider goal. He gave up the four, the, the fourth Bruins goal of the game. The first goal Schneider gave up. Um, it's a worst moment because it's not his fault. The puck just gets deflected. And as Eddie Olchuk says, it's a bailout from up here on the corner. Cause he doesn't want to go after the puck. Cause he's afraid he's going to get hit by a Bruin. The puck winds up to Andrew Ference, I believe it was, who got the fourth goal for the Bruins. Um, Michael Ryder, yeah, I know that was the Cavalier uh, shot from the point, tipped by Ryder. Nothing that Schneider could do about it. Um, his teammates did nothing to support him. Ryder tips the puck in front of the net because no one, no one's going after uh, Mike, uh, Michael Ryder in front of the net. Ryder tips it. Nothing Schneider could do. Uh, he looks back because he's surprised that it went in and, and it just adds to the, the it, it's just more fuel on the fire for, for the Bruins. Um, really bad. It's a bad moment for Schneider because there's nothing he could do about it. And he's just there to kind of, you know, fix whatever's going on out there. And then he gives up a, a goal on the first shot that he faces. Uh, you, you, you hate to see it. Um, other worst moments from this game. I mean, I don't, I don't really have the like a really worse like the Edler play was obviously not a great play. The boarding 
on Rich Peverly. It was a boarding. It should have been called a boarding. It's a, it, it is a dangerous hit, but there's so much in the series, in this game that doesn't get called that probably should get called. In terms of penalties, like this wasn't as um, like physical or uh, rough as the other games, which I thought made it a little bit better just as a hockey game. Like you like the conflict, you like the contact, you like the violence, but this wasn't totally violent. And that was what made the Edler boarding call a little, a little disappointing. Which just like it's a bad hit, but there's other stuff you can call. You either you got you got to be consistent with it. It didn't feel like quite a consistent play, but here we are. Um, Pierre Maguire, NBC mic checks. I I don't again. I don't have a lot. I mentioned earlier that, uh, the Eddie Olchek saying that Lapierre bailed out uh, of a play in the fourth goal of the game for the Bruins. Uh, I mentioned uh, no one wants to win that race from Pierre Maguire, who was talking about the Canucks dealing with the Sedano Chara play. Um, and then the other one I have comes from Eddie Olchek saying, it's time to get him out of here with 11-25 in the first period in reference to Luongo after the Bruins' third goal of the game. What was really noticeable, I, I thought, in this game specifically, um, I'm sure I'm sure you you can hear it in the other games, but I really noticed it in Game Six was the crowd having an impact. The crowd was loud. The crowd was going all night. It made Pierre Maguire, who's sitting down by the benches, difficult to hear for most of the night. Um, he has to yell and scream so that people can hear what he's saying. Kind of the same with Old Check a little bit. It, when when the crowd is loud and and, and just nonstop like that it really has an impact on the game for the players, for the commentators, for the official, everybody. And that's what I noticed when it went in, in terms of the broadcasting team and how this game was called, the crowd did have an impact in how the broadcast was called. I, I didn't really notice that in Vancouver. I kind of noticed it in, in three and four, but not to the same extent uh, that game six had on the rest of the series. And I don't know if game six, impacts Vancouver's opportunities of winning game seven. It, it definitely, I, I definitely played in their head the, the entire time in Boston, I think did play into the Canucks head a little bit, but you know, the crowd of Vancouver was still good. It, I don't think it was quite the Boston level crowd, but it was still a loud raucous crowd in Vancouver and they didn't really have a lot to cheer for in game seven. So uh, in terms of NBC Mike Checks, the broadcast team, I thought they, they called a good game. Um, they, they did the best with the crowd, the noise, uh, the volumes in that room. It um, was just ridiculous, really. Um, that's all I have. This is a, a, a quick one uh, because we got, a big, we got a big show coming up on Tuesday, June 15th for Game 7. And... You know, I, my takeaways from this game were Tim Thomas was really good. Uh, Luongo was not clutch, was, was not clutch in this game, was not good in Boston in games three and four. Uh, we'll talk about his performance in game seven. A and he he really struggled in this game. Like he, there were like th th all three of those shots shouldn't have gone in. And it, it was the difference in the game. Luongo was really the difference in this game, the goaltending. Um, because Thomas was poised. Uh, he, he, he was dynamic all series, and Luongo wasn't. 
Um, I, I don't know if, if that had a impact going into game seven. It might have as well, knowing the goaltending advantage and disadvantages. But I just thought Luongo had an impact. Mason Raymond not being there probably had an impact. Uh, the Nathan Horton cheering celebration on Jumbotron had an impact. Those were the three big things that I really noticed in, in, in game six. Um, and, and on a lesser lesser note, Mark Recchi. I thought Mark Recchi was was maybe the MVP of this game because of the fact he was making plays all over the ice. He wasn't afraid to get into the dirty areas, get in front of the net, go into the corners. Um, I, I will say um, kudos to Schneider on the relief appearance because that's not easy. Even though he gave up two goals, that, that wasn't easy going up against that. He had – before the fifth goal where Krejci scored a beautiful goal on a pass from Mark Recchi on the power play, nothing Schneider, the Canucks could do. They were just outworked. And Schneider had a beautiful glove save on Recchi before that, before the goal where Recchi found the rebound. The puck was trickling out. Uh, there was a wide open net. Recchi puts it on net and Schneider just gets to it before the puck gets into the net with his glove. And, Eventually, then the play comes back around to Recchi. He fires it across to Krejci, who scores. But Recchi was making plays all over the ice. Corey Schneider did the best he could in, in this game. Schneider was not the reason the Canucks won or lost this game. It was the poor play from Luongo to start with. And now the series is tied at three. We're going to a game seven in Vancouver. Um, the Canucks have never won the Stanley Cup. The Bruins haven't won the Stanley Cup. Uh, since way back before this series. Like the Bru the Bruins, I got to pull it up because I can't remember off the top of my head when it was the last time I won the Stanley Cup before that. Um, 1972, that, that's how long it was, almost 50 years, almost 40 years, excuse me, for the Bruins to win a Stanley Cup. And, and that that's what made this game seven and this whole series so fascinating was how long it had been since each team won a cup. Now we're going to a game seven where the Canucks don't really have momentum. The Bruins have momentum, but the Canucks have home ice. It, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful game seven. Uh, be sure to tune in for it. You, you won't want to miss it. And thank you very much for watching this, or listening to this episode. However you're watching or listening, if you're watching it, you're probably watching it on our YouTube channel. So be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. All your support is really appreciated. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to tune in to Game 7, Episode 7 of the Last Great Stanley Cup Finals on Tuesday, June 15th. For now, I'm Ian McDonough. Thank you again for listening or watching. Peace out.